0: Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 3322233. Smithville Telephone Company, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922. Offering bundled packages, high-speed internet, and wireless phones. Smithville Telephone, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.
1: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of The Herald Times. Yesterday was the 200th birthday of Abraham Lincoln, and today we're going to spend about an hour talking about uh, the president, the former president, uh, President Lincoln, who spent some time in Indiana. With me in the studio is co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. We have two guests. one's in the studio and one is on the phone. Joining us in the studio is Stephen Andrews, who is the associate editor of the Journal of American History – And uh, joining us on the telephone is Stefan Peterson, who is DNR State Parks and Reservoir archaeologist. He's uh, working on a project involving uh, former president, well, the deceased president Abraham Lincoln.
0: Parks and Recreation.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Isn't it? It's not Parks
1: and Reservoirs.
0: It is Parks and Reservoirs. Yes, it is. Well, shows what I know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're. I'm. I'm one. I have one, and Mary Catherine has zero to start the day. (laughs) All right. If you want to join us on the program, you can call us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can also join us by going to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Well, uh, well, welcome to the program, both of you. Steve, uh, Stephen, who's here.
2: That's right. Uh, Thanks so much. It's a a pleasure and honor to be here.
1: And Stefan, thank you. we understand you're not feeling the greatest, but... We thank you for joining us anyway.
3: Uh, great pleasure to be on the show. Thank you.
1: All right, we're going to start with a, kind of a general question, um, and I'm going to direct it to, to Stephen. Uh, you know, we were talking before the program. What, what's what's with the fascination with Abraham Lincoln? He's he is the president that is probably. I mean, he and George George Washington are the two that everybody talks about knows about historical figures. What's the fascination with Lincoln?
2: Well, I mean, I think there's a there's a number of things. There's a separation between people who look to Lincoln the man and those who look to Lincoln the president and you know both ways he's really remarkable. As a man, uh, Americans are fascinated I think with the idea of this self-taught man from the frontier, this rags to riches story. Growing up in in Kentucky in very poor instances, no college, training himself, becoming a well-known lawyer in in Illinois and then going on to to being a president and then – and also renowned for his words, his ability to speak and his writing, his self-deprecating nature and his melancholy personality. Uh, He's very self-revelatory as a president. He he tells jokes. He's funny. Um, He's a very likable figure and then as a president, he's the president at – a time that we've never had before or since, a time of civil war, of, of political strife in which he is there when a situation that we've never seen before is happening. And, and, and also as a, as a historical figure, as a presidential figure, um, he and his presidency in the Civil War end a series of debates that have been going on since the founding and after Lincoln, the issues of the day are completely different. The context is different.
1: Um, you know, history uh, often looks at uh, presidents in a way that wasn't uh, consistent with what was going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Can you sort of judge, you know, what, what do the people think of Abraham Lincoln when he was president
2: and during that era? Well, I mean, Lincoln won a four-way race, received no votes in the South, wasn't even on the ballot for, in most of the South um, and was questioned at every turn. Um, the General he put in charge of the arm of the the armed military, the armed McClellan at the beginning of the war runs against him in sixty four and in sixty four he thinks he 's not going to be reelected um, and so they 're really split um, there 's lots of people who are against him he 's questioned he 's vilified in the press um, and yet when he dies there 's a national outpouring of sadness that 's really really remarkable as people feel like they know him and you know it, it He's a martyr, the last one to give everything at the end of the war and is shot on Good Friday. I mean, you know, it, it, it's all a story that, you know, the epicness of it kind of writes itself. Mm-hmm. All
1: right. Our phone number is 855 0811 and 877 285 9348. The website is slash noon edition. We're talking about Abraham Lincoln today. Uh, Abraham Lincoln spent his boyhood in Indiana. Most of us Hoosiers are aware of that. Um, Stefan, you want to talk about the project that you're involved with, with the uh, state parks and reservoirs?
4: Sure. Um,
3: as many of the listeners may know, uh, Indiana has uh, Lincoln State Park down in Spencer County. Um, it's been a park in our system since the 30s, and um, it is the basically the landscape where Lincoln grew up. Uh, it contains um, the, the home sites of uh his neighbors uh it contains the church where uh they worshipped where his sisters buried um, it contains m- numerous other uh kinds of sites that were part of his everyday world um between the ages of 8 and uh 21 so uh it's really his entire uh childhood except for that first part in Kentucky uh was spent in this little uh corner of Spencer County uh called Little Pigeon Creek um, over uh, across the road is the um, Lincoln Boyhood National Monument, uh, which was originally part of our park and uh, was transferred to the federal government in the 60s, uh, and that contains the grave of his mother, Nancy Hanks, as well as uh, the uh, probable home site of the cabin they lived in uh, the longest in Little Pigeon Creek. Um, the project uh, that we're going to be doing this fall um, is concerned with uh, not not the federal side but the state side and we're going to be looking at a couple of kind of the more everyday type uh, places that um, Lincoln might have frequented Um, we're going to be uh, doing a survey an archaeological survey at three locations one is in the uh, yard of the Colonel Jones home um, which um, has been part of our system for uh, about thirty years and was donated by Bill and Gail Cook by the way um, we'll we'll also be uh, looking at the site of his neighbor Noah Gordon, and also uh, across the road, Noah Gordon's uh, horse mill site, where Lincoln uh, had a near fatal head kick from a mule.
0: Hmm. What um what's the significance of the Colonel Jones home?
3: Well, uh, Colonel Jones um, was uh, at, at, he was an important political figure, military figure. Um, but at the time Lincoln was there, um, that was most of that was yet to occur. Um, but Jones was uh, an early settler there, and he um, he established a uh, a little trading post, if you will. And uh, Jones' store is purported to be one of the places Lincoln worked. Um, uh, a lot of Lincoln, uh, a lot of uh, facts about Lincoln are are more or less. Uh, Known, um, this is one of the lesser-known uh, aspects of his life. We're not sure if if uh, the store is exactly where we think it is. Um, uh, he was also uh, reported to have acquired his honest Abe reputation while working at the store and uh, returning the. Uh, the few cents that were overpaid by one of the one of his neighbors. Uh, so that's the significance of, of the yard there. The, the Colonel Jones home, by the way, I want to say was built a few years after Lincoln left. Uh, this was after Mister Jones uh, uh, did well for himself and built a, a fairly magnificent house there.
0: Wow! So, and you mentioned several other um, sites. Are there are there buildings that remain, or are these simply archaeological sites?
3: Uh, there are no. Structures okay. uh, remaining. Um, these were, were really very simple, plain structures built of logs, uh, maybe set on, on stone uh, foundation uh, piers. Um, really, uh, nothing remains from that period. Even as late as uh, sorry, as early as uh, the 1870s, many of the of these structures were gone in this area.
0: Now, i got to ask, what, why now? Why are they choosing to, I'm, I'm really, I think it's fascinating work, but why are they choosing to um, do this survey now? Is there new technology that you can bring to bear that wasn't available before? Or,
3: uh, Yeah, yeah that, that's definitely part of it. Uh, of course, one of the other um, interests is the, the bicentennial, and we've had support from the uh, Indiana Lincoln Bicentennial Commission for this project. Uh, So there's a lot of of, um, interest in Lincoln uh, this year. Um, As for the archeology, span yes, indeed, there are ways we can look at these large, rather large areas now uh, using remote sensing technologies. um, And uh, we can try to get a read on on the nature of the um, subsurface, if you will, uh, on these sites. Uh, without doing any excavation and our, our plan is to do this on, on these each of these three sites uh, and then uh, use the, those uh, images, if you will, to uh, do a few very small uh, exploratory um, digs and we want to do that on September 19th this year and uh, this will be open to the public and we'd like people to come down and observe and, and perhaps participate.
0: Wow, what a neat opportunity!
1: All right, Uh, we're going to go to the phones now. We got our first phone call today, and it's Mary. Mary, go ahead.
5: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Really interesting show today.
1: Mm -hmm. Thanks, sure.
5: I'm writing down the date of the exploratory dig. (laughs) So my Lincoln history is a little sketchy, and I'm fairly new to Indiana, and I um, wanted to get your recommendations for some day trips from Bloomington or. Uh, some ways to kind of follow the Lincoln historical trail connecting Indiana to Illinois and the early days of Lincoln. And my curiosity was piqued, I don't know, yesterday or the day before by a caller on um, the Afternoon Edition show that talked about Lincoln's legal papers from his cases during his law career, just being buried in courthouses where he practiced law. So I'd just like some information about that and some recommendations on you know, some adventures from Bloomington to learn more about
0: Lincoln. What a great question.
2: Okay. Stephen? Well, I actually think that you know uh, Stefan probably knows more of the historical sites. The things they 're doing down here, and i 'm sure he can he can fill this in is the, where they 're going to do a reenactment of the funeral and some of the pioneer town things that are, oh. are just going to be amazing mm-hmm. um, if you 're interested in the dvDs uh, i mean the, the court cases of Lincoln are now going to be released very soon there 's a, a push to put all of these documents on easy to scan and search dVDs, uh-huh. all of his legal documents and uh, in the next you know ten to fifteen years. Everything not just written by him but about him is going to be out on DVD and wow. fully searchable. So, yeah, okay, it's a real awesome. – the, the research has really taken off.
0: Great. Mm-hmm. Staffan, do you want to speak to this? Absolutely.
3: Well, <laughs> I'm going to promote uh, our division of State parks <laughs> Reservoirs. Uh, Lincoln State Park is a wonderful place to go. Uh, it is naturally beauty, beautiful. Um, it is in a really lovely part of Spencer County. Um, and uh, on top of that, um, as f- speaking for myself, um, you really feel the presence of Lincoln there. Um, I uh, heard the phrase the other night, uh, resident spirit. And um, I think it's it's really quite remarkable to walk right. in the very lanes that Lincoln walked on. And uh, so that's uh, well worth a visit. And, of right. course, uh, just a- adjacent um, is the uh, the national, the federal site, the Lincoln Boyhood National Memorial, which is really spectacular.
0: Oh, excellent. Stephen, how long does it take to get there from Bloomington?
3: Uh, well, these, these places are not real far from Waterworld, Splash and Safari, uh, if you know where that is. See, so. yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus, Indiana. It's about uh, a couple hours.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, a day trip.
3: Easily.
1: Yeah. And then um, I know uh, President Obama spent uh, part of yesterday in Springfield, Illinois, I believe. Or I don't know if he was there yesterday, but he began yeah, his pre- he began his presidential campaign in Springfield, right. Illinois, which is um, where Lincoln's home was. So there's another day trip for you, and I'm sure his birthplace in Kentucky. And I don't know the name of the town in Kentucky.
5: Yeah, I, I forget where that is, but we've also looked into going there. Yeah,
0: uh, would there be a website that anybody, either of you would like to recommend for Mary?
2: Well, I think the website the, – the Lincoln – the explosion of Lincoln stuff that's coming out is just huge. Uh, Knox College in Illinois has a great Lincoln website for sources there. There's a Lincoln Center there. Um, but research stuff uh, across the web, I think anything uh, – there's a number of great sites for both Illinois State and from, from Knox College.
0: Yeah, and I would recommend a a call to the Monroe County Convention and Visitors Bureau. They seem to have that kind of information. Oh, great great um, idea. Very readily available. Great. Um,
3: great. uh, Could I just add, uh, on the Illinois side is uh, New Salem, which is where Lincoln moved after they left Indiana. And they have a really nice, um, it's a state historic site with um, a reconstructed village. Oh, Um, sweet. So that's, that's well worth looking at.
5: Wow. Great. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Mary. All right. Th- thanks a lot for the call. Eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, And you can go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. And Lisa is on the phone. Lisa?
5: Hi. Um, beyond what we learned as kids, how did local residents um, view Abraham Lincoln? Did they talk? What did, when they described what he was like when he was a kid? What did they say? I'm sure there was lots of interviewing, probably when he became president or after his death. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's known? What do we have?
2: Oh, we have uh, in we our have, research, Lisa. We have lots and lots. Uh, William Herndon was uh, Lincoln's law partner. And after Lincoln's death, he went around for 25 years collecting reminiscences and what people thought of him and how they knew him. Uh, and a real clear picture actually comes out. There's a lot of gaps. Um, certain relationships we don't know exactly the nature of it. Ann Rutledge is the famous one. Did he love her? was this the love of his life? Um, but we have letters from his friends. we have letters from one of his closest friends, Josh Speed. We have one of, also his law partner. People talk about him, and, and you really do get a good sense of him he was very funny, very mm. tall, very awkward, um, uncomfortable around women, regarded as ugly um, and odd and strange. Um, he always had a lifelong battle with depression. he was uh, what he would call melancholic or would get what he called the blues um, was Told dirty, dirty jokes, uh, great stories, but uh, was also renowned for being strong and a fabulous wrestler. Uh, there's tales of him running afoul of a, of a local band of toughs when he was in New Salem and would run up against them and uh, out-wrestled one of the the leaders there, Jack Armstrong, who became a lifelong admirer of him after he was – beaten up by Lincoln. So, uh, yeah, so I mean the, the stories of Lincoln, uh, they multiplied especially after his death. But mm-hmm. um, as much as he tried to – when he was asked to describe his background, he said his life was the typical annals of the poor and that's all he had to say. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bill Herndon went and found lots of people with lots of stories. So well, what about a, as a kid?
5: What was he like as a kid?
2: Um, well, there's a debate there. He was uh, – as a young boy, his mom he adored and his stepmom he adored. His dad, he ha- always had a tough time with. I think Lincoln never yeah. much liked work, never liked doing the physical labor that his dad expected of him, wanted to read, had very little schooling. But you know the famous story is how far he would walk to get a book and the few books he had, he just devoured and had two maternal figures, his mom Nancy and his stepmom who who really encouraged that in him. But he had a tough relationship with his dad and and one of the things that Stefan – the the sites that they're talking about, I'm not – it's not the Colonel Jones site I don't think but his dad hired him out to do labor because he was a tall, very strong kid who was – renowned with an axe as far as people said. They thought three men were chopping when he was working on wood Um, but he hated it and he hated the labor and uh, a recent historian has argued that that experience of being rented out by his dad is one of the reasons that he so hated slavery, that he so was objected to the idea of being treated as working property that it changed really the way that he looked at forced labor from then on and led him to oppose slavery later on in his life. The movie Young Mr. Lincoln, pretty accurate? Well, I mean there's a lot – I mean, I think certainly to some – I don't think it's it's far. I mean some of those stories are true but they leave out a lot of the other stuff. I mean sure. Lincoln was not – at the same time, he could be somewhat confident. He wasn't a heroic figure, certainly not in his own mind in which he was – Really troubled with depression, and had dark moods, and never felt comfortable around women, and not in a kind of a you know a, a humble, you know, uh, you know, movie star way, and a kind of a gosh, man. But I think in a way that really, really, there was a lot more agony and anguish in a young Lincoln than I think you see in that film. But uh, okay. a lot of the Thank stories you. are true.
1: All right, thanks a lot for the call, Lisa. Thank you guys, uh huh. Thanks eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight and w f i u dot org slash noon edition
0: There was a fabulous show on uh, last night about Lincoln, and they said that there have been and i 'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think it was over twenty five thousand books written on him. if you can imagine that I think that 's just fantastic, but he seems to be kind of a polarizing figure. People feel very strongly about him one way or the other, and I think perhaps more so than any other historical figure, certainly more so than any other presidential figure, with the possible exception of of recent presidents. But uh, what do you think it is about him that that causes that kind of strong reaction?
2: Well, I think um, I have to admit to in the... uh... Interest of full disclosure, I am from the South. Uh, my name is Stephen Douglas Andrews and, and growing up in the South, <laughs> I would run into people, some of them my kin, who would say things like, you know, well, Stephen Douglas, that's a good name. Any man who would argue with Lincoln can't be all bad. Uh, I mean so that there, were, there is a sense out there that um, that he's a, a polarizing figure because people are on both sides. There is a, a contingent and not just a uh, a kind of a strange fringe contingent that really think that Lincoln acted incorrectly, that he forced the nation into war, that he suspended habeas corpus, that he put in martial law, that he was brutal to the press. Um, so there are people who really take strong criticism against him. So as a political figure for all the – as many people laud him and that's the majority, there are some who are strongly against him and even those amongst the people who look to Lincoln and praise Lincoln, there's there's splits. Those who say he's the great emancipator. True those who say he 's a racist, probably also true, um, is he a man of the people? did he save the union or did he you know did he make to fight a war he didn 't have to fight i mean there there are a lot of debates about him and, and the way that people want to to you know to seize on Lincoln and much like Obama has i mean in a very kind of calculated way, I mean he has the Senate seat that Lincoln ran for and lost in fifty eight He gets inaugurated on lincoln 's bible he Duplicates Lincoln's train trip to Washington. Um, he announces, you know, as you said, Bob, he announces his campaign at Springfield. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot, and throughout American history, lots of people have seized Lincoln, wanting Lincoln to be, you know, something, either that he is, or partly was, or wasn't at all. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Interesting though, and I pulled out this uh, ratings of the presidents from um, Arthur M. Schlesinger used it in a book that he did in 2004. But it's ratings – rankings that were done in 1996 by leading historians and there were 32 people that were involved in this voting break – this, this, this ranking and 32 people said Lincoln – of these people said Lincoln was a great president. Right. Thirty-one said Washington was. Thirty-one said Franklin Roosevelt was, and then it went down to twelve after that. So, who, you know, came, who
2: came in at number four?
1: Number four was Jefferson with ah. twelve great and sixteen near great. Yeah. So, it's a, you know it's really interesting to see that you know, of these historians, you would think at least one might think that Lincoln wasn't great, but all thirty-two of these, and these are from places like. Harvard, Yale, Columbia, uh, University of Texas, Indiana University, Bob Farrell was one of the people on this panel who uh, has – I believe he was on this show years ago. Columbia – I said Columbia, Brandeis, New York University, University of North Carolina, just a ton of places, historians who are very knowledgeable about Lincoln and 32 of them out of 32 said he was a great president. We're going to take a short break. Um, you're listening to Noon Edition. We're talking about Abraham Lincoln today with a couple of people who know quite a bit about him. Uh, we'll be right back after a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition.
6: You're listening to Noon Edition on member supported WFIU. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. On Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45.
1: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. I'm the editor of the Herald Times along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're talking about Abraham Lincoln, who would have been 200 years old yesterday Hmm. had he lived that long. Um, We have two guests with us. One is in the studio, Stephen Andrews, who's associate editor of the Journal of American History and DNR State Parks and Reservoirs archaeologist. Stauffen Peterson is also with us, joining us by phone. If you have questions or comments, phone us at 855 0811 or 877 285 9348, or you can join the discussion on our website. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition.
0: One of the things uh, Stephen alluded to earlier was uh, the power and the, the grace of Lincoln's writing. And we had a comment that came in via email that said, um, another major reason that Lincoln is the most important U.S. president is the continuing power that his written words have on Americans. In several ways, he defined who we are. Would you like to comment on that?
2: Well, I think that's right. Um, I, I think that... You know the country that comes out of the Civil War is so much different than than what went into the Civil War. I mean, a, a, the debates over slavery, over secession, and what you know, there, there's a, a kind of a, a grammatical issue here too. Before the uh, Civil War, the states were plural: these United States of America, mm-hmm. instead of the United States of America, or they would write, you know, the United States are. As if it was a plural nation, it was not a singular, but a, but a group. Whereas after the war, now we refer to the United States is doing something, um, you know. But I think that also, if you look at what Lincoln said and how he wrote it, the the power of some of the things he wrote, like the Gettysburg Address or the Second Inaugural, are so are so different from what you'd expect a a soldier or a commander in wartime. The Gettysburg Address is to to. You know, to honor the, the dead of, of the Battle of Gettysburg obviously. But in his address, it's so short and he, he never mentions the enemy. He doesn't talk about mm-hmm. the South. Uh, in his second inaugural, he talks about insurgents and he talks about the battle. But here's someone who – you have almost 500,000 dead. You've seen 35,000 dead in an afternoon in some of these battles that are unprecedented, numbers that we can't even imagine now. And when he gives his second inaugural, he talks – you know, he says, let, it, let us judge not lest we be judged and he says with malice towards none as he, you know, talks about, you know, the, the, uh, the enemy and, and putting out. And One of the things that made his writing so much different, I mean, first of all, there's the power of the moment but beyond that, Lincoln is one of those rare people who— At a war is always looking at the end. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, this is not a divorce. We can't get divorced and let them walk away. We have to rebuild this country. And so throughout this, there's a kind of sense that even many people in the South talked about Lincoln's mercy when he got killed, that it was such a loss because for the South, he had, unlike many people in the North who were not at all subtle about the hatred they had for the South, Lincoln really didn't talk that way. And so it is kind of a language of unity that ties the country together.
1: All right. We love our listeners, and we had one call us to tell us that uh, Lincoln's birthplace was Hodginsville, Kentucky.
5: All right. So we like
1: that, and we also love the listeners who are waiting to talk to us. We have three who have been waiting patiently. We have Mike as the first one. Mike?
7: Hi. I wanted to respond to the caller who was asking for information about places to follow the historic trail of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, My wife and I are big Lincoln enthusiasts, and we've explored the area uh, over the past few years. And, of course, the uh, Boyhood Home and uh, the State Park are wonderful. Uh, and just a few miles south, if you go to Rockport on the Ohio River, there's a memorial there that um, tells the story of Lincoln's days uh, with his ferry business. And you can get a, an idea of the role of the Ohio River uh, which the family crossed back and forth over the years, and, and which really was the highway of that time. Uh, just by uh, walking around Rockport, you get a, a much better idea of the um, feel of those times and, and that place. Uh, and I also second the uh, mention of New Salem, uh, which is wonderful. And, of course, it goes without saying that you know, the premier place is the Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum in Springfield, Illinois, um, it, which just gets better and better as time goes by. Uh, and I also wanted to mention for uh, people who, uh, someone also asked what Lincoln was like as a child, uh, there have been a couple of books published uh, within the past year uh, that I think would be of interest to anyone who uh, may be new to Lincoln in Indiana. Uh, one is a children's book. Uh, it's the title is "Stand Tall, Abe Lincoln" by Judith St. George. Uh, it was reviewed very favorably by Daniel Pinkwater on um, on NPR Weekend Edition a couple of weeks ago, and it is a beautiful book. Uh, but it has a a really rich text full of detail, uh, uh, kind of psychological uh, detail of of what it must have uh, felt like and and what Lincoln spoke about and what other witnesses spoke about. So it's the story of his childhood, um, not in uh, in a highly fanciful or romantic way. It really is based, as far as I can tell, on factual evidence. Uh, that is just put together in a poetic way Uh, and finally probably the most authoritative book about lincoln in indiana is uh, william bartelt's uh, book Uh, there i grew up remembering abraham lincoln's indiana youth uh, published by the indiana historical society in um, 2008 in indianapolis uh, which is really um, authoritative and, and detailed Uh, specifically about the Indiana part of Lincoln's life. So I recommend those very highly. Wouldn't that be
0: a great thing to read before you take your trip down to Lincoln State Park? Yeah. Really put it into focus for you. What great suggestions. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thanks a lot for the call, Mike. All right. Uh, Stephen, have you uh, read any of those or do you want to add to the list?
2: You know, I haven't read either one of those, but I know that the second one, There I Grew Up, has become really highly regarded and Mm -hmm. it's it's supposed to be an excellent book. Okay. We're going back to the phones now in Minerva. Go right ahead.
5: Hello.
1: Hi, Minerva. Uh,
5: I just wanted to say that I think that Lincoln was born near Elizabethtown uh, in Kentucky. And when he was born there, it was in Hardin County. Now I think it's in LaRue County. Uh-huh. And I think your listeners ought to know that Lincoln shared his birth date with another 1900, uh outstanding
1: man, and that was Charles Darwin. That's correct. That's right. Well, thank you. We appreciate the call. I remember uh, well, listening yesterday morning on NPR. There were stories on Lincoln and stories on Darwin. There you go. I didn't know before then. All right. And we have a third caller and it's Charlie. Charlie? Hello. Hey, Charlie.
4: How are you? Um, I have a question uh, that relates to the Lincolns in southern Indiana, but I I do want to lift one announcement. The Monroe County Historical Society, along with the Poitner Center, is hosting a talk on the subject of Lincoln and his uh, time in Indiana. That's uh, Professor Erickson, a former faculty member from IUs, coming up from the University of Texas, El Paso. And that'll be Thursday night at 7 p.m. at the History Center.
0: Oh, great. Thanks, Charlie. Uh,
4: I've heard him talk, and he's very good. Uh, My question has to do with milk sickness. Um, In a class that this... uh, author Bartlett had just uh, done in continuing ed, it was pointed out and mentioned in his book that probably uh, Thomas Lincoln uh, and his family would, were talked into leaving Indiana to go to Illinois, primarily by the Hanks, who were worried about the intermittent but continuing problem with milk sickness. And it wasn't uh, when uh Abe's natural mother died. She wasn't the only one that died from that at that point. There were other people in the extended family and neighbors that died, and it would strike uh, rather intermittently But when the cows would tend to gravitate maybe uh, during certain seasons in the fall primarily and eat that particular snake root. I was just wondering how big a problem, uh, I guess I'd ask the, 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 the man from the park down there, how big a problem was that for the Indiana Pioneers. How many people died from milk sickness?
3: Right. Well, I, I don't have uh, a good statistic on that. I know that it was of concern um, to many people settling in uh, previously forested areas. Uh, my understanding of this particular plant, uh, the white snake root plant, is that um, it uh, it likes uh, openings in forests. And so you can imagine um, uh, Pioneers uh, making their clearings for their homes and their their crops, uh, creating a lot of new ecological niches, which then uh, had their uh, effects, if you will. Um, the uh, and this plant is still around, by the way. This is you know you can find it if you if you know what to look for uh, in in a lot of places in southern Indiana, but uh, and cows may indeed be eating it even now, but the. Uh, the thing about our dairy distribution system is that if one cow eats a lot of it, it's not going to show up in any uh, great quantity because we pool our milk. So, oh, okay. uh, it, it's still here. It's still part of our ecology. Uh, it's just that uh, our systems kind of uh, minimize the risk of it.
0: Stop, and that leads to another question. Why did the – or what, in your opinion, um, or do you understand, is the reason that the Lincolns um, moved on to Illinois?
3: Oh, well, the caller's right. Uh, there was, uh, is, is I understand it, and I have to second the uh, recommendation for, for William Bartelt's book, There I Grew Up. Um, uh, this was some concern. You can imagine uh, you know, a devastating uh, loss in your family members from something you don't understand. I mean, this was not the cause of milk sickness was not known for many decades later. Ah. Uh, and there was some concern about um, the productivity of the farmland. Um, a lot of southern Indiana is, um, is not the best for, for uh, growing corn, etc. cetera. And uh, a lot of people had uh, initial success in these hilly areas, such as Spencer County. Um, and uh, after a few years, you start to lose your soil because of the, the hilly topography. So they, they had heard that uh, good land was uh, available in Illinois and decided to move as a family.
2: Okay. Thanks. All right. Thanks. And, 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 and and also, you know, the economics of it as well, which is that, you know, Illinois was a new territory and they were selling land very cheap uh, mm. for $1.25 an acre. So <laughs> even somebody as poor as Tom Lincoln could say, uh, let's get there and get a, a larger holding. That's a bargain. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. And let's go to our next call. We have another caller and it's Valerie. Valerie?
2: Um, yeah.
5: Hi. This is in response to the uh, lady early on in the program who was asking about day trips from bloomington that had lincoln connections and i apologize my memory of this place is a bit uh, sketchy but there is a little known local or county museum in salem indiana called the hay museum and um i believe mr hay was lincoln's personal secretary or something like that and uh, i can't even remember exactly what's in the museum and library but someone who's interested in lincoln might want to check it out it's only about an hour and a half drive to salem right Okay, Valerie. Maybe somebody there on the program knows a little bit more about just exactly uh, what Hayes' role was in Lincoln's life. So
2: yeah. I think
1: he was his personal secretary yeah, when he was right. president. Yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, he was his one of his legal secretaries, one of his personal secretaries when he was president.
1: Okay, thanks. All right, Valerie. Thanks a lot for the call. 855 811 877 and the website, org slash noon edition. I, I was reading a, a Piece out of the Washington Post it was written uh, just a few days ago, but it, it talks about this fascination with Lincoln. And it starts out: his blood-stained clothes, stovepipe hats, and goatskin boots have been saved. The bed and mattress on which he died have been kept, along with the things in his pockets the night he was slain, and the dime-sized bullet that killed him. After he expired, his body was transported across the country so people could see him one last time. Then, decades later, he was exhumed, and his coffin was cut open to make sure he was really there. Did that yeah. really happen?
2: Yeah, that did happen. Yeah. Well, I mean they they were they were moving him because at one point there was a scheme in which they were going to uh, robbers were going to steal it out of the mausoleum and then ransom it back. And so the question was, for a period of time, his body was moved from place to place uh, so this wouldn't happen, and then they uh-huh. they relocated it. But uh-huh. when he was exhumed. Uh, they did open it up and to take a look in, into the casket. They
0: mm-hmm. just couldn't help themselves. They could not help themselves. <laughs> well, we got it here anyway. We might as well just take a peek. Yeah. Uh,
2: so so where where does he rest now? I, I'm not sure. – I think the body now is – it's in Illinois. Yeah. Uh,
1: maybe one of our listeners yeah. can tell us that because I I don't know.
0: Okay. Good question. Yeah, that's nutty. I, I had no idea yeah. about that. That's no. a fascinating the, story.
1: The story also mentioned – it just talks about how it, it refers to Lincoln as part man, part myth. Yeah, what's can you give us some myths about Abraham Lincoln? Things that people believe that just aren't true.
2: Well, I mean, I don't think that when they say that that it's myth is in things that that aren't okay. true. It's not. Um, there was a you know I taught I taught a class actually called you know Lincoln Myth and Memory uh-huh. in which um, you know there's just those stories in which you want to say, for example, Lincoln's the Great Emancipator. So Lincoln um, was what we think of as a modern day liberal who had no racist feelings at all. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1960s there were a lot of criticisms where they said, "No, he's a white supremacist who wants to free African slaves but then wants to return them to Africa or Haiti." That's true for part of his presidency, I mean, for part of his career as well. I mean that so that there's the idea that he is the great emancipator who fought to to free the slaves. Well, Some of that's true but not entirely true or the idea that he's a common man with common man approach. Some of it – he was a common man but he also hated it. Um, He wasn't the person who was a strong frontiersman who loved Mm -hmm. the frontier. He wanted to read books and go to college but couldn't. Um, So he was a railroad lawyer, not necessarily a man of the people. I mean he was a man of the people but he's also a railroad lawyer. So how do you you square those two? Mm -hmm. So –
0: you know, I, and I'm always so puzzled about his relationship with his wife. Um, yeah, could you speak to that? I, and and, and <laughs> <Here it's> a, <laughs> I wish you could see the face a, I mean,
2: Mary Mary Todd Lincoln is a huge issue. Uh, but it's a huge issue when people are talking about Lincoln because many of the people, William Herndon, his prior law partner, hated Mary Todd Lincoln. And so – you don't know. There are stories that Mary Todd was crazy and Mary Todd chased Lincoln around the streets of Springfield with a knife on one occasion. I'm not sure if that's true, but certainly Herndon wanted to believe it and put it in, in his book, um, mm-hmm. Things about, about Mary Todd. Um, she, from all accounts, as, as the, the scholarship on her has gone back and forth, from thinking first off that she was a horrible shrew. And then to say, but she must have gotten a very raw deal. She couldn't have been that bad. And now it's it's back and forth. But there's no way around the fact that, that they had a marriage of tragedy. They lost their son. Um, they, you know, and I'm not – she never really recovered from the death of Willie. Um, and so, you know, there's a – there was love and affection there. But there was clearly from everyone who talked about it, there were rough times and, and personality conflicts between – you know and and i think personally if you're asking my own opinion i think that she was probably difficult but i also think that lincoln may not have been all that much fun to live with i mean mm-hmm. by his own admittance he was a depressive who was, uh, you know, sometimes quiet, uncommunicative. He seemed many times happier being away from home, writing about doing law business, or with his friends, you know, with Josh Speed or with Herndon, rather than being at home with, with the family. So it may not all be her fault, but it's, uh, it's certainly any biography of Lincoln is going to dwell, have to wrestle with the Mary Todd question.
1: All right, we have another phone call. It's Mike. Mike. Hi, I just wanted to answer
7: the question about Lincoln's final resting place.
0: Oh, oh good! Yay! Uh,
7: Lincoln's tomb is in the Oak Ridge Cemetery in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, it's uh, if you do go to Springfield for the presidential, mu- the spectacular presidential <laughs> museum, uh, you'd want to stop at the cemetery also. Um, there's a, a very large monument there, a huge obelisk, a uh, semicircular. Uh, monument building that was uh, uh, reconstructed and and finished in uh, kind of Art Deco, 1930s style. Um, And Lincoln's um, remains were ultimately buried under, they say, 10 feet of concrete uh, to prevent any more (laughs) escapades of uh, trying to Uh, steal and and hold the body for ransom or anything of that sort.
0: Mike, before you get off the phone, mm -hmm. what uh, what happened, and I would put this to all of our guests, but you seem to be particularly knowledgeable too, Uh, did the Lincoln family eventually die out or what happened there?
7: The only child who survived long was uh, Robert. Right. Um, Yeah. Uh, and he he had a, a good career, and uh, I'm vague. Uh, I believe he was involved in uh, public service, but uh, perhaps someone else would have a better idea. I I, I don't know beyond him though if uh, if there were other um, uh, descendants.
2: Anybody? Well, I know Robert was the the that this was his son. I don't know that the line continues much. I actually think it has died out but I'm not sure. I mm-hmm. don't know of any descendants much after him um, though he had served in the war, was there when uh, when his father died, was, uh, was there in in the room with, with the body. And But I'm not – after that, he did have a career in law but nothing really in politics. But then mm-hmm. I don't know much about the line after – I mean a few generations after that. I don't know where it goes. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. Uh-
1: Go ahead, Bob. No, I'm just going to give our phone numbers again because we have less than 10 minutes to go. So if you have a question, you need to get in with us quickly, eight five five zero eight one one or 877-285-9348. Or you can join us on the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition.
0: So just mentioning that his son was in the room with him when he died. Let's talk about the assassination sure. uh, a little bit, the circumstances surrounding that. very, Very peculiar to be – Killed by an actor, that seems quite strange.
2: Well, um, Booth was a, a southern sympathizer and, and Washington, you have to remember, is a is a southern town and mm-hmm. Maryland was under martial law because the fear was that if Maryland would have gone and joined the secessionist states, and you'd have Washington basically – Right next door, is, yeah. Well, it's already strange in the Civil War because you have um, Washington so close to Richmond. I mean you have the mm-hmm. two capitals of the Confederacy and the Union – Ninety miles apart um, but and then, so you had to have Maryland, and so he was from a Maryland family and was a family of actors and was a southern sympathizer and uh had seen had been in a crowd when um, uh, Lincoln was was pulled to the the balcony of the White House to make an announcement after the the news of the surrender was out, and Lincoln was talking about African Americans and that he thought that African American soldiers should be given the right to vote for fighting for the Union. Um, and and at that point, you know, the story goes that Booth said this means you know black citizenship, and that he's going to take care of it. And you know, there is a – there's evidence of a conspiracy and, and Booth shot him from behind, jumps to the stage yelling the slogan of the state of Virginia, Six Semper Tyrannus, and breaks his leg. And, uh, and then the manhunt is on um, and Lincoln is shot on Good Friday, lasts until the early morning hours and, uh, and then dies, never regains consciousness.
0: There has to be uh – Speculation if uh, modern medical care were available, uh, could he have been saved? Is, is there a, a decision on that?
2: I don't think so. I mean there are certainly a lot of figures in 19th century where you say, boy, William Henry Harrison didn't have to die mm-hmm. or you know, some, yes. some other ones that you – know, Zachary Taylor doesn't have to die. This is one in which he shot at close range at a very important part of the brain that mm-hmm. I, I'm not – I mean – the wonders of modern medicine are amazing. So perhaps with a. And yet you know, he
0: didn't die right away?
2: No, no. He lingered murmuring and never regained consciousness. Uh, <clears throat> modern medicine, a modern trauma team, I don't know what they'd be able to accomplish, but he was, it was a pretty serious blow.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. We have Natalie on the phone. Natalie? Hello. Hi, Natalie.
5: Uh, someone was asking about if there are any descendants of the Lincoln family. There was a Robert Lincoln who may have been a grandson who built a mansion in southern Vermont. And uh, when he died, um, the property passed to people who are not relatives. Uh, and I don't remember the details, but it was quite an elaborate place. I visited it a few years ago.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Interesting. Yep. There are- Places we can visit all over the country. Yeah. <laughs> right? But getting back to some places not too far away, um, Stefan, how long is the uh, excavation going to last that you're working on? And, and what's it going to look like down there when you're all done?
3: Oh, okay. Well, uh, the uh, remote sensing part that we're going to do ahead of time um, is probably going to take us a good couple weeks. Uh, we're going to be using ground-penetrating radar and a few other uh, techniques to try and do this uh, imaging of where we might wish to excavate um people are welcome to observe that it's not very fun to watch uh uh basically people walking up and down with a little instrument um <laughs> but the actual uh excavation is the public excavation is going to be on september 19th and we're also going to have a special day for school students on the 18th that's the friday
0: oh, uh, what a good idea!
3: and we we'd like that to be uh focused on the kids on that friday and then uh Uh, On September 19th, Saturday, we'll have it open to everybody. Uh, What's it going to look like? Well, uh, we will probably have many uh, volunteers and interpretive staff on hand. We'll have uh, volunteers from uh, IU and and, uh, participants from University of Southern Indiana. Uh, We will also um, have a lot of our park staff on hand and local experts, I hope, will come down and help us. Uh, The excavations themselves, I hope they're small. Uh, One of the nice things about this um, remote sensing technology is you can target your excavation in the same way that, uh, you know, having an MRI allows a surgeon to target uh, their work very precisely. Uh, So I'm hoping that we have just very small areas open, maybe a yard by two yards, uh, these excavation units. um, We'll have screens there where we're screening the dirt, and uh, hopefully we'll be getting into some, uh, uh, my my personal hope is that we find architectural features and trying to locate the foundations of the store, for example, Mm -hmm. at Colonel Jones' home. Um, But we may look at other features as well. Trash pits uh, are really um, uh, of high value for for historical archaeology because they contain everyday items. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of people talked about legend and history. Well, uh, today, and one of the beautiful things about getting um, these artifacts out is they tell another story that probably no one would have thought to record. Hmm. Uh, they can tell us things about uh, taste, uh, for example. What kinds of ceramics were they using? Uh, they can tell us things about uh, the what, the economy. Are they bringing in imported goods? Um, when are they bringing them in? Um, we have this perception of uh, the Lincolns and the other pioneers hacking uh, out homes in the wilderness. Uh, and sort of being self-sufficient, and no doubt that's correct, but uh, it, it's also correct that very quickly they become tied in with bigger economies. Uh, Lincoln himself was tied in with uh, export to New Orleans um, not long after he, he got there. Uh, so we'll be looking at, at uh, that kind of uh, it's that kind of look. Um, we may be even able to say something about gender if we see, find uh, goods that are associated with women or children for that matter. And I hope that when we're done, uh, you won't be able to tell that we were there. <laughs>
0: oh, great. Uh, so you really do, though, hold out. Great hope that you'll come across actual artifacts from, from this settlement time. Yes, I do. Wow, how exciting. Uh,
3: yeah, these are busy places. Uh, uh, you know, getting back to this idea of hacking out a home in the, in the forest uh, is true. But within just a few years after the Lincolns arrived, there were something like 137 children. Um, within a few miles of Lincoln's home, uh, so these were quite busy places, and I can imagine uh, very lively and a lot of a lot of uh, interaction between the residents at Little Pigeon Creek.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we are out of time. I hate to end this uh, discussion, but we are out of time. I want to thank uh, Staffan Peterson, who has been with us by phone, and Stephen Andrews, who has been here in the studio. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Ariana Prothero, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.
6: New Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at wfiu.org.
1: Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville Telephone Company, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922. Offering bundled packages, high-speed internet, and wireless phones. Smithville Telephone, local pride, global technology, information at smithville.net.